seated, please. I can remember being about Ben Triplett's age at Walnut Street Church of Christ, and the preacher at that time uh, uh, used to sing that song with with both hands. He used to lead that song with with both hands. Gwyneth Ford. I can still remember that as a as a young man. I I really enjoyed that song. Go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you will, to First Kings chapter thirteen. First Kings chapter thirteen. What I've given you today is a supplement uh, to the lesson today. It doesn't have First Kings chapter thirteen in it, so you'll you'll need to first turn to First Kings chapter thirteen and uh, use the supplement as we go along. Also inside the handout today is a is a puzzle. Uh, it's specifically designed for this lesson. Um, it also has a hidden hidden message inside of it. So when you get done with the puzzle, uh, there's a hidden message inside of it uh, using the un used letters. It also has a chart in there. We're going to be using that chart and we're going to be filling out that chart here in just a minute. When I was, when I was a boy growing up in the 1980s, uh, Billy Joe, you mentioned it earlier, Rodney Dangerfield, he made a living with the phrase, I don't get no respect. You remember that? Aretha Franklin, she made a lot of money with R-E-S-P-E-C-T. And today we're going to find out what it means to us. Uh, as a guy who's gained and lost respect, I believe I've just lost some right then, um, I have become a student of respect. God knows how we feel when we are disrespected. Since the beginning of time, He's wanted our respect. Our Bible story today in 1 Kings chapter 13 shows us how to gain respect and to show respect. As we begin, Jeroboam, he's an evil king. A very evil king. In fact, all the successive 18 other kings of Israel, they are described as walking after the sins of Jeroboam. He's a bad guy. He's done evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord gave him a chance. The Lord said, if you just follow my ways, I'll make you, First Kings chapter 11, I'll make, your, I'll make you like, like David. I'll, I'll give you the kingdom. But no, he didn't do it. He started his own religion. Plural. And a man of God from Judah was sent to prophesy against Jeroboam and his evil. The man of God is given specific instructions by God not to eat anything or drink anything or linger in this area. This, this God-forsaken, compromised, idolatrous city of Bethel. When Jeroboam stood by the false altar, here's a picture of it. It still this this area still stands today. When he stood by this altar, and 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 this false altar, and to the calf, the golden calf that was there, he stood there to burn incense. The man of God from Judah, First Kings chapter thirteen verse two, he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord, said, "O altar, altar! Thus says the Lord." Now I want you to notice this prophecy; it's very important. 
Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. That's pretty, that's pretty specific, isn't it? That's a pretty specific prophecy. God named Josiah, he's going to take care of this altar. He's going to burn bones on this altar. Pretty specific. Verse 3, And He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar of Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him! Then his hand, which he had stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. The the altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God, and, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and became as before. Notice here, the man of Judah, God listens to him. Verse 7, Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the, but the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Why? Well, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. Verse 10, So he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Jeroboam had no respect for God. He had no respect for the man of God, but he quickly uh, changed when he observed God's power, didn't he? But even that didn't change him. From this passage, we can learn many things, but I want us to see that if we respect, if we want true respect, if we want to gain respect, if we want to show the proper respect, true respect starts with respecting God. Jeroboam didn't respect God, much less the man of God. If we don't respect God, it won't matter what I say from here. It won't matter what the elders ask you to do. It won't matter. If we don't respect God, nothing else matters. If we don't respect God, uh, what we say to our spouses, what we we say to our parents, what we say to our godly friends and what they say to us, it doesn't matter. Because we live by the one law. I I do what I want to do. And a lot of people live by that law. I do what I want. To gain respect, we must respect others. Respect God and then respect others. Here's a picture of... Cheryl Ragsdale. Cheryl Ragsdale is an MMA fighter, a mixed martial arts fighter. She doesn't look 57, does she? By her own admission, and I believe her, she could whoop any man in this room. That's what she says on her blog. She's tough. She's a tough girl. On her blog, I was looking for a great definition of respect, and on her blog, she has a great definition of respect. This is what she writes. Here's my working definition of how to show respect. Take seriously 
make important, give priority to, listen to, value, cherish, appreciate, admire, take care not to disrupt, stand up for and protect, have admiration for, recognition of confidence. And, and I came up with a chart, and you have that chart in your handout, I hope. came up with a chart using the points of her definition. And I want us to ask ourselves the question, do we, do we respect God enough to take Him seriously? Do we? Do we respect God enough to take Him seriously in our worship? Our worship, John chapter 4, and this is where your, your supplement will come into play. Our worship, John chapter 4 verse 21, is supposed to be in spirit and in truth, is it? Do we take that part of our lives seriously? Our worship, John chapter 6 verse, verse 33, if we don't eat the, eat the bread and eat the, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, John 6.33, we have no life in us. Do we take that seriously when we break bread together in communion? Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, do we sing? Uh, Doug, did you see some folks not singing this morning? Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This has been raised from $2,700 to $3,000. Do we take that seriously? Do we take our giving seriously? Do we give as we've prospered? Do we, do we take uh, God seriously and do we make Him important? Notice, do we, do we make attendance important? Hebrews 10, 25, do we make attendance important? Important. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as some do. How about do we give priority to God? Matthew 6, 33, do we put Him first before anything in our lives? Do we respect God is what I'm asking. Do we value God? You know, He has given us a way of salvation. His gospel, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that's His way of salvation. Do we, do we, do we value that? Do we cherish His devotion? Notice in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Since the beginning of the world, God has chosen those in His Son to be His. Do we appreciate the sacrifice that He made? He loved the world so much, John 3.16, that He gave His only Son. Do we appreciate that sacrifice? If we do, then we respect God. How about do we admire His plan? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel, that if we don't obey that gospel, we're lost. Do we disrupt the church? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Do we, re, do we disrupt the body of Christ? It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that some will come along and they'll disrupt the church. They'll cause trouble. Do we respect God enough not to disrupt? How about, do we respect God enough to protect His church? Ephesians 5.25 says that the, the church is the bride of Christ and that... that Jesus Christ died for His bride. 
do we respect the church enough? Well, do we respect God? If we don't respect the church, then we don't respect God. Do we recognize the cross? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38 says that we're supposed to take up our cross daily and follow Him. Do we respect that? How about our elders? Do we respect them as the rulers over us? Hebrews uh, chapter 13 verse 17 says that we're to obey those who rule over us. We're to be submissive to those who rule over us. They watch out for our souls. And they, they are to do that with joy and not grief. Because if they do it with grief, it would be unprofitable for us as the sheep, as the members of the congregation. Do we take our elders seriously? Do we look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy and Titus? Do we look at those qualifications and say, yes, I'm so glad that our elders meet up to them. I'm so glad we have men in our congregation that will meet up to those qualifications. We are blessed of God. Do we make our elders important? In other words, do we listen to them? Not only do we obey them, but... Are we submissive? When they tell us three grand is the new budget a month, do we listen to that? Or do you just boom? Do we give priority to them? Do we obey them? Do we, do you, do we value their service? Don't y'all understand what they do for us? They watch out for our souls. Do we value that? Do we, not just our elders, the, the, the elders, the office of the elder, but those who have gone before us, our elders, you know, those who are older than us, who have done these jobs we're doing, young people, who've done them and are continuing to do them, even into their old age, do we respect them and the legacy they've left us? Do we appreciate their sacrifice? Do we admire their knowledge? Do we disrupt their work? The elders work? Do we cause problems for our elders? Our elders, they have a job. Acts chapter 20, verse 29, there are wolves, even among us. They've got to protect the church. Elders, are you okay with your knowledge of the Bible so that you could protect the church from the wolves? Do we recognize them for their dedication? How about our spouses? Do we take seriously our role as a husband or as a wife? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33, we are to husbands love our wives and our wives, the wives are to respect their husband. Do we do that? Do we understand our role? Do we take it seriously? Do we respect our spouse? How about do we listen to them? Do we make them important? Or are we too busy doing this to listen? Do we too busy putting those earplugs in and listen to YouTube to listen? Are we too busy with our own things? I'm talking to husbands and wives. Are we too busy with our own things and our own doings that we don't take the time to sit down and listen, to take them seriously, to respect them? That's just basic respect. Do we give priority? Do we, do we obey our spouse? 
I guarantee you, the ones that I've married in this room, I guarantee you, the majority of you, the majority of you had these vows, had this vow in your marriage contract that you made before God. I will love and obey. Do we take that promise seriously? Do we cherish our spouse for their devotion and our devotion to them? Do we sacrifice for them? Do we recognize their sacrifice for us? Do we admire their work? Do we disrupt our family? Do we protect the church by raising our family the right way? Because we take it seriously, because we respect our spouse, we respect our family. Hey, kids, these on the front row and those scattered throughout, do you, re, do, do, you, do you respect your parents? Do you respect them? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. We are to honor our mothers and our fathers. Do we take that seriously? Do we respect our parents? Do we make them important? Do we listen to them? I'm going to tell on Savannah just a minute. Tell on Savannah just a minute. I can remember when she was three. We were living in Jolton. Okay? And I told her, you need to go upstairs and do something. Okay? At three years old, I turned back around. She's walking up the stairs. She's going... You know, those, 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 there's those moments when kids are just so cute you can't do anything. You know, they're just too cute to do anything. But I, I said, are you mocking me? I couldn't believe I was being mocked. Do we listen to our parents? I've actually heard children be really mean to their moms and dads. Be just awful. Show them no respect whatsoever. That's just... Terrible. How ungodly. How disrespectful. Do we obey our parents? Do we value their service? I mean, our moms gave birth to us. Right? Their dedication, their sacrifice. You know, my mom and dad didn't have to have me. But they sacrificed how do we repay that sacrifice, children? I'm talking to the older and the younger children. <laughs> I'm not just picking on y'all, okay? I promise you. I'm not picking on y'all. If you've got a mom and daddy that are still alive, I hope when you leave today, you'll go call them. And if you've got trouble with them, make it right. If you've got family that you've got trouble with, go make it right. Do we obey authority? Matt and I, we were talking about it the other day. We, we, we rolled by somebody that had the blue lights behind them. That's a terrible feeling, isn't it, Matt? Had those blue lights behind Woo! Right behind you. Do we take authority seriously? You look over. You turn over to Romans chapter 13 when you get time. I want you to read that, about the first 13 verses there. It talks about how we should have respect for those in authority, those who are our government. 
Do we take them seriously? Do we listen to them? Do we obey the laws? Do we value the service of our men and women in uniform? Do we value the service of the men in blue and the the guys in the big red trucks who spray water on stuff that's burning? Do we respect their service? Do we appreciate their abilities? And, or do we disrupt society? Because we want what we want. And we're going to get it any way we can. Recognize the dedication. We'll gain respect when we show respect When we respect God, and then we respect others, we'll start respecting ourselves the way God wants us to respect ourselves. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, keep your finger in 1 Kings chapter 13 and turn over to Matthew chapter 5. I'd love for you to underline, underline some things in this passage. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 30. We live in a world where it's all about us. So Jesus puts the burden of respect on us. In his sermon in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 30, it's all about you. In fact, he uses the word you by my count 30 times. You count the, 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 the pronoun, pronoun you. I'm using the New King James Version. You count the pronoun you. See if you come up with 30. Maybe you'll come up with more, maybe less. I came up with 30. I want you to notice here. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Do you see where the burden is? It's not on God. The burden's on you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, you have heard it, have, have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is God's footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you, take away your tunic, let him also have your cloak. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks 
you and from him who wants to borrow from you do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in Heaven is perfect. I quote Dave Willis in his book, Gentleman's Essentials, when he says this, Show respect even to people who don't deserve it, not as a reflection of their character, but as a reflection of yours. The man of God from Judah left Jeroboam back in 1 Kings chapter 13. He's headed home another way, just like God told him to do. The man of God, the man of God from Judah, he's obeyed in every way. He's done exactly what God wanted him to do. He's done exactly what God told him to do. I believe he respects God. But he lets his guard down. Sometimes you don't find trouble. Trouble finds you if you linger in the wrong spot too long. And that's what he did. You know, men of God were all over the United Kingdom of Israel. And when the kingdom split, many of the righteous ones, they went back down to Judah. Many of those men stayed. They stayed where they were rather than obey God and worship Him correctly. And there was an old prophet living in Bethel. I want you to notice 1 Kings chapter 13, beginning with verse 11. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. So they also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And so far the man of God has done everything right. But he stopped. He lingered. Then he, the old prophet, said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? He he said, I am. You know, surrounded by idolatry, the old prophet probably wanted the younger prophet's company. Sometimes the darkness likes the light. It wants just a little piece of it. The old man wanted the man of God to to come home with him. and he, He wanted him to eat and drink. Uh, the, the man of God repeats, uh, verse 16, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. And, and notice, the old man lies. I want you to notice here, the old man lies, verse 18. He said to him, this is the old man, the old prophet, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. And we might think, oh, oh, God's not going to make that young prophet obey and stick to his word now. 
He got lied to. It wasn't his fault that he was deceived. He couldn't help it. If we begin to think this way, we're doomed. If we begin to think this way, church, we're doomed. All of us must obey God. When God says something, we've got to obey it. A young prophet, he'd done everything right. But the old prophet disrespected God. He disrespected the man of God. And he lied. Verse 20. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And I like to think, like I told the class, if I was directing a movie about this, you know, I would have the old prophet have one of those out-of-body experiences where he's kind of talking in another voice. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and drank water in the place which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your father. Just because someone lies to us about God's Word or deceives us about salvation or is ignorant of God's Word and because they don't respect God or His Word, they deceive us, they pass their ignorance onto us, does not mean that the promised wrath on God to those who do not obey him and of those who do not love him, first Corinthians chapter, excuse me, second Corinthians chapter one, verses seven through nine, God's wrath, his promised wrath will happen. Can you imagine the young prophet? He saddles his donkey, he gets on it, he's heard this prophecy. Headed home, killed by a lion. How sad. That's not fair, you might say. He did everything right, you might argue. He was deceived, you might scream. But the younger prophet could have inquired of the Lord just as much as the older prophet could have. He had God's Word in his mouth. He had God's Word in his mind. He was just as close to God as anybody else. Remember, God listened to him earlier. God spoke to him earlier. Why did he not inquire of the, of the Lord then? Folks, we have the same opportunity today. If we miss heaven because we've been deceived or we've been lied to or because of ignorance, that's on us. We will miss heaven because we have the same opportunity as everybody else to pick up God's Word and learn what we need to do to obey, to respect God, to respect our elders, to respect our spouses, to respect our parents, and to respect those in authority over us. We have the same Word of God. Everyone does. Everyone has the same opportunity. And if we don't use that opportunity, shame on us. And we'll be lost. I can't say it any plainer. I hate to be the bearer of bad news all the time. I feel like I'm that guy. But it's the lesson I've been given. That's what it says. The corpse of the, uh, this is, this is uh, James Tassat's picture 
of uh, the young prophet by the road, the, the corpse of the young prophet, he's by the road, the lion stood over the man. He didn't eat him, nor did the lion eat the, eat the donkey. It was customary for the body found on the road, if a body was found on the road, it was customary for the nearest town to bury that body. All right, If they could find out who did it, fine, but if they couldn't, it was to be buried. And the nearest town incurred the expense. So there were some travelers, and they were going to Bethel, and they reported what they saw. They saw the lion, they saw the man, they saw the donkey. Verse 26, now, when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord which he spoke to him. And he spoke to his son saying, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. Then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he he laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. The old prophet, he ends up respecting the younger prophet. He, He ends up respecting God. He ends up respecting himself, too. Why? Well, it's because he respects and believes God first. Notice verse 31. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son saying, When I'm dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the same which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar at Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are in the cities of Samaria, they will surely come to pass. 300 years later, the kingdom of Israel is no more. They've all been taken into captivity. And a young king, Josiah, go figure. A young king named Josiah, he takes a hard-line campaign from the, from the territory, territory and kingdom of Judah. He takes a hard-line campaign north and he burns all the altars. He kills all the prophets. He, he, he takes and knocks down all the shrines. He's going back to the way God wanted him to be. In fact, Josiah is one of my new heroes. It says there was no king like him before him and there was no king like him after him. He was a man of God. He respected God. He was a righteous man. Josiah and his men, they desecrated all the tombs on the mountains in Samaria. And they took those bones and they took them back to the altar that Jeroboam had raised. And they took those bones and they burned them on the altar. But he came to one. One tomb. 2 Kings chapter 27, verse 17. What gravestone is this I see, says Jeroboam. So the men of the city told him, It's the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. And notice what he says. Let him alone. Let no one remove his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Josiah respected God. Josiah respected others. Josiah respected himself. One thousand years after our story today, God is still wanting people to respect Him. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 21. This is one thousand years after our story today. Jesus tells a parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard, set a hedge around it, dug a wine press, built a tower, 
He leased it to the vine dressers and went to a far country. Matthew 21, verse 34. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers. They might receive its fruit. The vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. <laughs> Again, he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did likewise to them. And last of all, he sent his son to them saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and gain his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Jesus asked the question, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to the vine dressers? What will happen to those who don't respect God's Son? What do you think? Not to sound like a broken record. But 3,000 years after our story today, 3,000 years after our story today, God still wants our respect. And He has a specific plan for us. True respect starts with obeying God. And I hope you see that God respects Himself enough to do what He says He's going to do. And God respects us enough to allow us to obey Him or not. You know, we all make, we all make choices. But in the end, our choices make us. It's my hope that today you'll make the choice to obey God. You'll respect Him enough. Come right now. As together we stand and sing.